Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. Mornings with Ben Davis. Yeah, very good morning to you. Thanks for standing arm in arm with me this morning. 20 degrees, a bit of rain around. Yeah, it's autumn. We know it's about Anzac Day that it kicks in, doesn't it? That cold weather. The commute this morning is a little rough around the southeast. Any dramas, let us know. 13, 13, 55. Keep it locked here. We'll keep you entertained, informed and engaged. Anzac round. It is hands down the greatest round of footy each year, right? Across both codes. And yes... The service, the ode, the last post should be performed before every single game, right? 13, 13, 55, 0467-736-736. I, I, I can't believe it, as I said to Patton Hills just before, I can't believe it, but there is a school of thought that it should just be limited to the day, April 25. Are you in that camp? I'd love to know why and the thinking behind it. For for me, it's quite simple. You cannot deprive the fans. You cannot deprive each club from honouring our service men and women and their families, remembering them, to pay tribute to them. You, you just can't do that. Commemorating, remembering, it's, it's the part of the freedom that they have provided this country that we have the choice to do that. But also, let's bust it down. You can't tell me that the garrison town of Townsville, a military town, a defence force town, they're not allowed to do an Anzac service before their game, if it's on a weekend before Anzac Day, please. Darwin, where the Broncos played the Eels Friday night. It has such an intrinsic part of our military history. It was bombed, for God's sake, in World War II. And what, they can't do an Anzac service. That's, That's what you're saying if you think it should only be limited to April 25. The services, the ode, the last post, the minute silence. But I am happy to take and open this up this morning because there are those who think It's a tradition that should only be observed on Anzac Day. 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. Where where, where do you sit or where do you stand? Hopefully it's arm in arm, but it's okay if you don't think that it should be anything else but the 25th. I just want to know the reasons why. I want to open up the debate this morning. Anzac round. Have they got it just right or is it? Over the top. 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. I'll play you Darcy Moore's speech a little later on in the show today. This is the Collingwood captain. After the Pies and the Bombers went head-to-head at the MCG yesterday, that was absolutely outstanding. A record for Anzac Day. 95,000. It was heaving the G. And the match, well, it was equal to what the Roosters and Dragons were putting on in the NRL. So good. Yet afterwards, Darcy Moore's speech. Some are calling it one of the greatest they've seen, one of the greatest they've heard. If you haven't heard it, I will play it to you this morning. It's an absolute ripper. Hey, and while we're on this, Anzac Day, the Anzac Day jumper, the Anzac Day jersey, whose was the best? In the AFL and the NRL, across the board, whose who's was the best? 
Some were absolute rippers. For me in the AFL, Essendon. That was brilliant. The red sash turned into red poppies. It was a bit like Collingwood last year where they had the prison bar stripes. The black was grey, but it was rosemary. Sensational. I think this year Essendon took the gong, but they were all good. They were all special, weren't they? Whose was the best? In the NRL, who was your favourite? 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. And if you know the history behind them, the story behind the jumpers, the jerseys from your club, share them this morning. Do you know why Souths were wearing the black and grey? Do you? If you were listening last week on Breakfast with uh, Heels and myself, I explained why the bunnies were wearing that. But if you know, I'd love to hear it this morning. We'll have an education. Why were the roosters wearing that light blue colour? Do you know? 131355. We will educate, inform and engage this morning. Bondi Blue, I think they call it. Look, there is so much to sink our teeth into this Wednesday morning. Wherever you're listening, uh, be it online, on air, on your phone, on the app. You could be listening anywhere in the world. If you are, give me a shout out. Love to hear where you're listening this morning. Uh, Twitter's probably the best place to do that if you are overseas. Mornings, S-E-N-Q is where you'll find us on Twitter. Uh, Instagram, S-E-N-Q and Facebook as well. In fact, on our Instagram page, we did put a poll out last night about brain fades on the back of Robert Jennings on the weekend with the Dolphins and the Titans. And if it wasn't the worst brain fade, what was Actually, I probably should stop using the word worse, shouldn't I? It's negative. Memorable. What was the most memorable brain fade outside in honour of Robert Jennings and what he did against the Titans? We'll take you down that path this morning and part of our Instagram poll as well. Uh, look, another big talking point out of the world of footy rugby league is Jack White and signing with South today. We're hearing that the contract will be inked this morning. Hasn't happened yet. And because that hasn't happened yet, the NRL cannot officially investigate because there is no contract to investigate. But they have promised the Raiders they will after the Green Machine lodged an official complaint into this. Is this just sour grapes or do they have a point? I want you to read between the lines this morning. In fact, if I know you, you already are. Jack White and going to Souths. He's taken a million dollars less, so the reports say, to do this. So is he chasing glory over gold? That's okay, isn't it? Is it as simple as that? A player who's done everything in the game. He's won a Dallium. He's won a Churchill medal. He's won an Origin Series. He's won a World Cup. Hasn't won a premiership. Is it okay for him to go searching glory over the gold? Of course it is. It's his right. It's his prerogative, isn't it? Or is there something deeper here? What's the cynic inside you saying? Read between the lines this morning, 13, 13, 55. It will be something I'll be putting to Mal Meninga. I'll be putting hip drop tackles to him as well. The big fella's fired up about that. That's after 10 o'clock today. I also need to ask him about the Titans. There is something going on down the M1. Not only were they hauled in from a record score, what should have been a winning score. It was a record margin. The Dolphins reeled them in. And the Titans were left reeling. But since then, we don't know what's happening at Parkwood. The reason being, they've gone underground, the Titans. They've shut out the media. Now, this is not navel-gazing from a media's point of view. This is more about fans wanting to know what's going on, wanting questions answered. But we can't answer any of those questions for you because we can't talk to the players. 
so far this week. We'll get a crack tomorrow, Thursday. Thursday, five days after that embarrassing capitulation. And that's what it was. It's got to be an embarrassment when you're up by that much and you get reeled in. The Titans have shut out the media. They've gone underground. What they are providing are in-house interviews that they ask the questions of the players and they send it out to the media organisations. It's not really forensically diving into getting an explanation, is it? And cameras at training, reporters at training, journalists at training, they were told, yes, we can be there yesterday, but then all of a sudden, no, no, shut it down. So what's happening inside the walls of the Titans? Is it just them galvanising? Is it them hunkering down and just trying to go, right, this is where we are uh, situated? And it could be Justin Holbrook tearing strips off them. It could be flogging them in the sense of physical. On the park, I mean, not not getting them. Well, maybe some do never fly. Mal Meninga, the inside word of that after 10 o'clock today. Um, when was the last time you picked up a golf club? And maybe I'm naive about this, and maybe it's because I'm a father of three and probably the last time I swung a golf club was, I'm going to say, 15 years ago. Yeah, I know. I've got two sets gathering dust underneath the stairs at home. It's not out of want or desire. It's just probably more out of time. But also, what happened to the golf days? The corporate golf days used to be a thing every single week, at least if not a month of... I was just talking to Heels on on the way out of the studio. Every sporting team in this town, and again, this is probably more my world, but every sporting team had a golf day. The Broncos, the Bullets, the Reds, the the Bulls, everyone had a golf day at some stage. But now no more. I know the working week has changed. I know office life has changed. And I'm talking pre-COVID here where everyone is doing more with less, 60-hour weeks are the norm. But in the light of, well, yeah, COVID, but in the light of live golf over the weekend, are we about to see a renaissance of golf and a younger demographic getting into this? I remember as an 18, 19-year-old, it was almost a rite of passage. I couldn't wait to buy my own golf club, save up for them. And do that. I've still got the original set, and that's one of them just gathering dust underneath the, yeah, stairs. Um, is it just I'm at that stage of life, or should I be getting out a bit more? When was the last time you picked up a golf club? I'll be speaking to a club pro in the next half hour. Exactly where golf membership sits has the game picked up since COVID. I I see I see golf courses closing down. I see them being turned into residential areas. I mean, look at Vic Park in the middle of town. I used to play there a lot, but now you can't. So, and it's not the only golf course that's been closed down and turned into residential land and areas. So I thought golf may have been dying as a social hobby. Again, I think I need my eyes opened up, which is exactly why we'll be talking to a club pro uh, in the next half an hour. I'll be also catching up with the Red CEO, Dave Hannum. Uh, they are searching for a brand new coach. Gre- uh, Brad Thorne will be standing down at the end of this season. It is a huge decision that they need to make. As I explained last week when Brad Thorne made that call, he has made rugby relevant in, in this state. 
And I'm not apologising for that. Rugby is relevant when the Wallabies are doing well. And we know that they haven't been doing well over, truth, I'm going to say the best part of a decade, right? Yet Brad Thorne has made it relevant in this state, in this city. Rugby now is parked behind a paywall outside of Foxtel. So it's another thing you have to pay for. Where do you watch it? Where do you see it? Crowds, are they up? No. Are they doing the thing? Yes. Yet somehow the Reds have not only beaten and busted that stereotype, but they have been winning titles. So what they do next and where they'll be searching, well, that's exactly what I want to speak to the Queensland Rugby CEO to see where their search is going. And, of course, Wednesdays at 11 a.m., it is 11 a.m. mayhem. That's right. You call, you get on. I have prizes galore. That's right. I've over the public holiday, have raided the prize cupboard, a double to give away to the Lions and Frio this Saturday at the Gabba and a $50 Sporting Globe voucher. That's right. If you're buying drinks there, dinner's on us, or if you're buying dinner, drinks are on us. 13 13 55 0467 736 736. They are the digits you need. But before we get into that, let's do this. And now, time for Ben's Snap Judgment. Yeah, I've already touched on this this morning. I want you to read between the lines with Jack Whiten, and you probably already are. Is it as simple as chasing glory over gold, or is there something deeper? 13 13 55 0467 736 736. Should the NRL be digging into this forensically? The Raiders have lodged an official complaint. They want market value to be investigated. Now, market value... I actually thought that's kind of subjective. If, if you insure your car, and I've just been through this process over the last couple of days, the insurers say, well, it's insured between market value. Um, the price that we got, our market value, was anywhere between 36000 and 54000 for a car. Like, hang on, what? Didn't pay that much for it. Not even close. But that's... Market value. What's market value for a house? Well, again, isn't market value what someone's willing to pay for you or for your house or for your services? Maybe I'm wrong. Market value. That's what the NRL is going to investigate on the back of the fact that the Raiders lodged the biggest offer they have ever tabled to a player. Reports we're hearing, not even hearing, this is what the Raiders have opened up and said, we have put this on the table, 1.1 for four years. So $4.4 million for Jack Whiten, a player who is at the twilight of his career, let's face it, 30 years of age, but knocked it back to go and play with his mates at Souths. The romantic in me says this is brilliant. This goes to show that players aren't all about money driven. There is, well, not loyalty in the game, but it's not about chasing the dollar. It's not about being money hungry. It's not being a mercenary and going to the highest bidder. This is actually something that he wants to do. Play with his mates, win a premiership. Read between the lines. What are you reading between the lines? Well, one of the simple things I would think is that the Raiders are nowhere near the premiership window. Well, hello, Captain Obvious. Um... What else does it tell you? That he's someone who wants to just play for the fun of the game, but also to win a premiership. When I say fun of the game, playing with his mates. Does it also show what Canberra think is loyalty? Jack Whiten has shown loyalty for the best part of, well, it's the only club he's known. Signed on as a teenager. So he's been there for 12 seasons. 
Does that not show loyalty? And now he actually wants to complete the only thing he's not done in his career. So could Canberra show loyalty to the player to say, thank you for your service. Now go and do what you need to do. Again, read between the lines. 13, 13, 55. What are you reading between the lines on this? One thing I, I think needs to stop, this whole narrative that the Dolphins have missed out again. And on the back of Jack White and yesterday, which was, what, about half past four, uh, by the time that the Storm and Warriors had blown full time in that game down in Melbourne, it was announced that Nelson Asafa Solomano had re-signed with them. Again, another player over the age of 30. A four-year deal, huge. Rugby was sniffing around, throwing money at the big unit as well, and so were the Dolphins. But you know what? This is the thing that really irks me. The Dolphins are going to be hunting for anyone that has got some sort of international pedigree, the cream of the crop. Why? Because they're a new club and they're building. They still don't have a full roster yet. So, of course, they're going to be going for anyone who's on the market that has some sort of international Pedigree, international experience. And, and that's where they're starting. They're starting at the top of the tree. They're aiming high. What is it? Aim for the moon because even if you miss, you land amongst the stars. Well, I think that's where the dolphins are at. But that's just a given, right? They are trying to build. They are starting from scratch. But for every report I've read about Jack White and signing with South, the next line is that, oh, and the dolphins have missed out again. Well... Give me a spell. They, they, they are trying to build. They are putting in bids for players. But really, what have they missed out on? Jack Whiten, is he at the peak of his powers? Yeah, maybe right now, but come next year and then beyond. What are they paying for? Paying for a bloke over 30. And, and you have a look at the Dolphins' hit list here and the players that they've technically missed out on. They're all players in the latter end of their careers. Except maybe Kalen Ponga. Kalen Ponga, a different kettle of fish. Yeah, they went hard for him. But I think we know where Kalen Ponga and his dad, where that's driven from. And that's okay too. They're trying to set up their family, set up money, set up futures. That's okay to take the biggest bite of the cherry there. That's okay to do that. But that's where Kalen Ponga sits. Everyone else that the Dolphins have aimed for have been at the end of their career. And they're chasing, not dollars, they're chasing premierships. And a bigger captain obvious of the Raiders not being in the premiership window is the Dolphins aren't in the premiership window. They're, they're, they're no chance. They're, they're building. Remember Wayne Bennett in 1988 when he started with the Broncos? If you're old enough to remember that, he had a team full of champions. He basically had the Queensland Origin team. But they couldn't get a premiership until they let go of Wally Laws, got Lazo, and got Kevy. And it took them five years. He had the best of the best there. He had a team full of champions, but did he have a champion team? I'm looking at what Wayne Bennett has right now. And he's got a champion team, hasn't he? Tell me, tell me he doesn't. Tell me he hasn't overachieved or the Dolphins have done exactly the opposite to what you thought they were going to do. Running down a record margin for a start. That was just our most recent memory. What they've done with the Chooks, the fact that they've been embedded in the top four. Some call it overachieving, but they keep on doing it. So when do we stop with the overachieving thing? What really is Wayne Bennett missing out on here? Have a look at the dawn of the Dolphins doco when he first started. What was and who was at the top of his hit list? There was a name, Ray Stone, up there. He's got Ray Stone. Who the hell was Ray Stone? He was the player that Wayne Bennett wanted and needed. 
Not a marquee player, but the player he needed. So have they missed out? I, I just I just don't buy the narrative that it's always got to be, oh, the Dolphins have missed out again. Maybe you're a Dolphins fan and you think the opposite. Love to hear from you. 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. Do we have time for a call? Because the lines are lining up. Let's go to Tony. He's been patiently waiting on. Hello, Tony. G'day, how you going? Very well. Jack Whiten on your mind? Yeah, just a little bit of misinformation out there. And, and let's suggest that Jack Whiten takes $900,000 a year, which is $200,000 less than what Canberra offered. Mm. That $200,000 a year over four years is 800000 At a 40% tax rate, that's $120,000 a year is missing out on. That's his manager's fees. That brings that down to about $110,000 a year. For $110,000 a year, you know, we should stop these headline grabbing saying, you know, he's been he's missing out on a million bucks over four years. And I just think that this needs some facts out there. And the fact that the other issue is the loyalty issue, uh, you know, both ways. Canberra's got so much out of Jack. Jack's got so much out of Canberra. And I agree with your point a few minutes ago where you said Canberra should be saying, thank you, Vance, for your service. And good luck in the future. It's a good mathematical equation, Tony. Thank you. Thank you for opening the eyes. Do you agree with Tony? When it comes down to all the fees, the taxes... Ah, 13, 13, 55, Read between the lines. We'll talk some golf straight after this. Matty Guyatt is the pro out at Gales Golf Club. He's been on the PGA Tour here in Australia. He's won titles along the way. He's also been the Queensland PGA Trainee of the Year. That was back in 2009. Jeez, we're digging deep into history here. Uh, but he's also won the PGA Championship of New South Wales back in 2011. And now he's out teaching you how to swing them at Gales. Matty, good morning to you. Morning, Ben. How are you, mate? Thanks for having me on. No, that's right. I hear that you're pretty busy, so I don't want to take too much of your time up, but how how busy are things since, well, I'm going to say in the light of live golf, but has it been going on longer than this, a resurgence in, in memberships and people having a swing? Yeah, I think so, Ben. Um, I, I was just chatting off air um, there, but I, I think really the, the renaissance, uh, as you called it, um, of golf has really been since COVID hit and particularly up here in Queensland when golf was still a sport people were able to do despite all the restrictions Mm. Um, people were able to get out on the golf course and um, cycling was the other big one that that happened so golf clubs and cycling shops were just inundated with people wanting to dust off the clubs or get rust off my golf clubs that have been sitting in the shed or the bike and and those were the things that people were able to do so that's where we really noticed a, a massive influx of more people coming back to golf and I think as well during that time, Ben, a lot of people transitioned from work at the office to work at home. And a lot of people have sort of stayed in that mold once they saw that it was a possible thing. Mm. Um, and then work at home. Oh, yeah, I, I'm working from home. So maybe I can fit in my Wednesday morning golf and, and still work from home in the afternoon. So um, <laughs> working, that, working from the 19th, perhaps. Yeah, that's exactly right. And and we and we def, we definitely have people who do that as well. They bring their laptops in, they sit in the clubhouse after they've played golf and get some work done. So I think the challenge for golf clubs um, through that influx of people coming back to golf who haven't maybe been playing for a long time is the challenge is how do we retain those people in the in the industry once COVID has slowly settled and life has become a lot more normal again post COVID. Mm. Um, how do we maintain all of those people playing golf? And I think that's where live probably comes in a little bit more so for us and seeing it on the broad um, Channel 7 network over the weekend or last week was fantastic. It was easy to find. You turn the telly on and there it is. And 
Um, you know, there was certainly a big buzz around our golf club with regards to the fact that they could watch golf in Australia with big names that haven't been here for a very, very long time and see a different experience as well. And a lot of people, you know, coming to me saying, you know, I don't like golf, but man, that looked like so much fun. I'd go and watch golf for, a, spend a day at the golf club watching a live tournament because of the, the corporate, the, you know, the entertainment, the music, mm. the drinking, the fun, um, which is what live golf is all about, um, as well as having some of the best golfers in the world putting on a pretty cool show. So, um, you know, I think it's a combination of both COVID times and also now what are clubs doing to, to, to maintain that? And I think, you know, we've got a really good program here at Gales where we've got a, a lifestyle program, which is that sort of age 25 to 45, which is a really difficult age um, demographic to maintain in golf with people starting families and businesses and all the rest of it where we've, you know, we've captured that with a, a unique membership and, you know, across the western side of Brisbane, they're all doing the same thing and, and memberships are closing because we've just got no space for, I know clubs have closed that membership down because they've, they've filled them and wow. uh, it's a really exciting time for golf, yeah. That that That's huge. If, you, if you're basically knocking away new clients, new customers yeah. because you're, you're full, yeah. that's that's a great state of affairs to, to, to be in. Um, Matty, what, okay, so I'm not alone here. Just that, that demographic, that 25 to 45, although I might have just crept out of it the other end of it. But, I mean, I get that. I, I get that. So holding on, and I, I, I thought I, I thought I can't be alone on this, just not having the, the, the time, uh, let alone the ability to play, but just the, the, the time to do it. So, so how are you harnessing that? How are you holding on to the, these members? And, and off the back of my caller yesterday, he said that, he said, try getting onto a course. You can't unless you are a member. Is that, is that what you're finding? Uh, yeah, yes and no. We've still got a lot of availability throughout our week. I suppose the weekends is the real challenge to get on as a non-member. We've, we've seen, a, I guess, a bit of a change from the old um, massive corporate days of your car yards and real estate agents and things like that, mm-hmm. having these huge corporate golf days and a lot of the corporate golf days nowadays have have transitioned to being uh in partnership with um charities um if you like and so they're raising money towards um beyond blue or mental health or you know all these sorts of things so a lot of them are partnering alongside a charity so that's how those corporate events which used to just be the boys clubs and and coming in and spending huge amounts of money at golf clubs it's transitioned now to still spending good money and bringing big numbers in through the club, but it's, there's a charity behind it, uh, which helps those, those uh, I guess, organisations maybe even justify it um, a little bit for them. So that's still functional and, and really working well. And our, our social groups over the weekends on a Sunday, we're, you know, we're booked in, a, in advance for a, a year or so um, ahead on a Sunday. So it's tough wow. to get a game if you're not a member of one of those clubs that are coming here or a member of our golf club. We yeah. still have space for our members, of course. Um, but through the week, you know, there's there's opportunity. But as you know, it, it's difficult for work. Um, people's coming out through the week, so that's that's definitely true. From your caller yesterday, it is tough if you're not a member to get a game on a weekend. Uh, I think that that is definitely a, a difficult spot. But um, as far as your other part of your question of capturing that 25 to 45 degree, yeah, I'm interested um, in that demog- demographic. Yeah, I'm interested in that demographic because I know Greg Norman has said, look, the, the demographic of people watching the PGA in the states is age 67. He said that, that that's what it is. That's what the ratings show. He said when we started yeah. Live Golf, straight away our first three events, it was the average age was 45. So they're capturing the next generation through. What generation, what demographics are you seeing coming through now? 
Yeah, so those guys uh, are, are ever-growing. It's probably our biggest growing category, I think, at our golf wow. club. And, and how we've gone about doing that is is we've we've recognised the fact that in, in that sort of age demographic, you, you're, you're potentially starting a family, you're starting a career, uh, or in the early stages of a career at 25, or you're starting a business or something like that. So time, um, maybe you're time poor, maybe time precious a little bit, and so you don't have the same amount of time that you know someone in that older age demographic at the back end of their career or retiring has to play golf so we've created an opportunity for them with a a, a reduced membership rate so they get much reduced rate on the annual membership sub um, and we've just put some some minor limitations in as to how many um, Saturday events they can play in throughout the year so yeah. we've we've nullified that um, so we sort of cut that in half for them um, but with that comes a reduced membership rate, so they're not paying as much, so they don't, you know, have to justify the same amount of money going out uh, as a full membership, um, you know, which is a fantastic thing, and it's yeah, really worked great, exceptionally well. And great, initiative. and and we're finding that, yeah, and we're finding that those members are really only able to play those sort of 25 Saturdays a year if they're lucky. So it's working exceptionally well, and and it's now you know, going from club to club in our Western side and, you know, communi we communicate with all the clubs in our area. And so everyone's jumping on board and it's really working well. Good stuff. Matty, I'm glad things are, are booming for you out there at, at Gales and it sounds like you're in that area as well of the Western suburbs, my old stomping ground. Uh, thanks for the chat, mate, and opening up the eyes. Matty Guide, he's the pro out at Gales Golf Club there at Wacol. And I know it's something that Razor wants to get stuck into before we get to Mal. Razor, morning to you. Morning, guys. How are you? Very well. What's your thoughts on Victor the Inflictor? Well, it's not on Victor, mate. It's on his captain, James Tedesco. Now, I make no secret with you, Ben, that I'm a supporter of every Sydney sider's favourite side. Now, but I love James Tedesco. <laughs> Did you say Melbourne Storm? Did you say Melbourne Storm there, Rosa? That's correct. Okay, yes. right. Melbourne Storm. Every Sydney sider loves them. <laughs> um, let, me, let me just say... To hear those words live on Foxtel yesterday from Jane, out of Jane Tedesco's mouth is dissent, and the NRL should be asking him for a please explain. It's hard enough now to try to get umpires and referees in both sports, both codes. What, what, did, what did he say that you're taking umbrage with, Razor? Uh, he, he's, he's claiming that the ref, if it had been any other player, he wouldn't have got sent off. So you reckon, and, um, you reckon his reputation... Well, that's what he was pleading, wasn't it? His skipper saying, it's reputation. You're, you're binning him because of his reputation. That's fair, isn't it? it? It's rugby league. You can't question the, the referee. The captain... Oh, he is the captain, but it's, yeah. it's serious. You can't, be, you can't be accusing the referees of favouring plays. We had it for 400 years with Cameron Smith. <laughs> Every time he went out and played a game... Yeah. Razor, I, I thought you. I thought, you I thought, come on, I thought I thought you were a Melbourne Storm fan. Hey, look, it's something I'll put to Mount Razor. Thank you, James Tedesco. Did he show dissent, or was he just sticking up for his player? Thirteen, thirteen, fifty-five. Yes, we are on the line with the Kangaroos coach. All thanks to Chemist Warehouse for great savings every day. Head into Chemist Warehouse. Mal, Razor, does he, yeah. does he have a point? Is he a captain just I reckon. Up I reckon he's right. I reckon he's right. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, you can, question, you can question the referee's decision, but you, you don't. 
you know, question their integrity, you know. So, uh, you know, that incident, Victor, um, he did get a head clash, but if you look at it very closely, um, there was contact with his shoulder, the point of his shoulder. So I know it wasn't, wasn't intentional, but in my opinion, um, uh, you know, obviously, you know, you get that perception with Victor, but I believe everything should be judged on that one moment, not what he's done in the past. So I agree with Razor. You, you know, I mean, referees, they got a hard job. They're human beings. Uh, they're prone to mistakes at, at various times, you know, through, through a match in particular. But, you know, um, we've got to leave them alone. We've got to make sure that uh, we protect them. A grade one careless high tackle is what uh, Victor the Inflictor was hit with for a third and subsequent offence. So obviously there's no discount involved. A $3,000 guilty, uh, early guilty plea will get him a $3,000 fine. Uh, otherwise, it'll be a, a two-match suspension. Now, on the gradings, Mal, let, let's let's wade into this territory. Gradings when it comes to match reviewers and charges on hip drop tackles. I know this yeah. is something that you've got to be in your bonnet about. Well, I don't know how you make a grading um, on the hip drop. But I, mean, I I agree with Judy Care. I agree it's an ugly tackle, um, and I agree we need to get it out of the game. Do but, you know what it is? Well, you, you go, you, you're tackling around the hips then to, to stop, you know, player motion going forward. You just you, you lose your legs and you drop, you drop down um, on the back mm. of the legs of the, the player you're tackling. So I think I think drop. that's it. Is the onus to keep your feet? Is it that simple? Well, that's, that's, it, well sometimes Ezra Mam and I can't remember who he was tackling, but they're two different two different physiques. Obviously, you know, obviously the fellow that, that Ezra was tackling was um, a bit bigger and stronger than what Ezra, and he's got to do everything he possibly can to tackle him. That's his that's his job. Mm. If he doesn't, if he lets if he lets go, um, the coach is into him. You know, so the the job. The Matt, job Matt Dory of an was who he was. Stop. Yeah, Matt Dory was the Matt, Matt a bigger Dory. a bigger man, a bigger, a bigger man. man. Yeah. So, yep. uh, what what says Ramam to do there? Well, the example used by the the National Rugby League and Graham Annesley was that you, if you got him by the hips and you're starting to lose your feet, your hands slip down to tackle him around the legs. And then the other answer, the other example they give is that. If you find that you feel that you're losing your feet, you need to drop to your knees or do something to stabilise yourself in the tackle. So his his um, his backside was pointed to the ground. How do you drop to your yeah, knees if you're Ezra Ram? Well, that in that instant, Ezra is supposed to obviously drop his hands. So instead yeah. of you lose your grip from your hips and you you drop down the body to you make the tackle around the legs. Basically, or, that's what the game is saying. So that's but it, but then you got the Payne Hass one. Yes, where he didn't really drop on the back of his legs. He no. got himself in an awkward position. He had to stop uh, Ring Campbell Gillard from scoring, and then he sort of had to use his weight to stop him from going forward. And he's landed on sort of the outside, and and Campbell's uh, Ring Campbell's already on the ground, mm. and he landed on the sort of the the outside of his legs, and and obviously caused that the groin pain that. Um, Campbell's got at the moment, you know. So, yeah. so, so Reg, Reg has done the splits, and with Payne Huss on his back, that's yeah. how he's ended up. That, that's that's, that's where less. that's where the injury has come from. So, uh, right. to me, to me, it wasn't a hip drop. It was sort of a half a hip drop, if that makes sense. But Payne's got judged on outcome of tackle. So that's what the, the the game is saying. Well, I don't, 
I I don't know how you can actually judge um, an incident based on outcome because it's never intentional. It it could be careless, it could be reckless, and um, very rarely it's intentional. So how do you how do you make the grading of what pain did? Where he's trying to stop a try. I, I don't. And they graded that a grade. They, they they made that a grade too, alongside a severe, yeah, yeah, severe, yeah. Get, yeah. And, and yet someone yeah, like in that same match, Hopgood, who got fifteen, uh, fifteen, who got ten in the bin, um, mm. he he only got a rate, grade one and escaped with a fine. Right. And and, and the, see, there the, was no pain or no uh, sort of detrimental. Yeah, so they didn't have to go off the field with no. injury. That's when, no. and Reg had to, you know. So so so, uh, Mal, yeah, are you Hopgood. saying that the punishment should fit? Well, not punishment should fit the crime, but if there's an injury and a player gets injured well, because of an act. Should, that, that, that's, what, that's what the game's saying. It's based on outcome. So yeah. this particular incident, the hip drop, which is a dangerous – it is a dangerous presence we've got in our game. So it is dangerous. We need to get that out. We need to have duty care. Um, my, my confusion is, is why has Payne got a grade two based on Reg's injury? That's, that's basically it. Yeah. Where, you know, Hopgood – just got a, did he get a fine? I'm not quite sure. You know, um, yeah, early what happened? Ezra's, and Ezra's got a couple of weeks for what he did. Yeah, you know? well, but, so Ezra's has been uh, deemed the same as Payne Haas. Yeah, so I don't, I don't, I, I don't yeah, understand. So I don't, that. Yeah, I don't understand how they got the grading because the outcome was different too. Should the punishment fit the crime? 13, 13, 55, 0, 4, 6, 7, 7, 3, 6, 7, 3, 6. Mal, in theory, and I reckon you and I have discussed this in the past, in theory. I'm a I'm an eye for an eye man, you know. If if if, if you get taken out, <laughs> if you get and but see, this is the theory. If you're out for eight weeks because of some sort of careless or foul play, well then the person who's done that to you should also be out for eight weeks. But not necessarily the case. We saw Scott Drinkwater and Corey Oates earlier in the year. Yeah. It, it was a yeah. bad tackle from Scott Drinkwater. It, it, it's Scott Drinkwater. It was he left the ground. His shoulder hit Corey in the jaw. Bang. Corey Oates came back after six, but was looking at eight weeks. Should have Scott Drinkwater got. Eight weeks, or was four sufficient? Well, I think in your case, if you know, if it's intentional, yes. Uh, but I think Scott was it reckless from his point of view. That's why he got the four weeks. So I mean, if okay, an eye for an eye. So if it's intentional, which it very rarely is. So if it's intentional, yeah, maybe an eye for an eye. But if it's careless or reckless, because you know, play the game before you don't go out and intentionally try to. Knock someone's head off in the old days, maybe, but not <laughs> not in the modern day. Hey, well, that's you know? the thing. How do you tell if a hip drop is intentional? Like, if you well, have a swinging that's arm, what I, mean. I don't think it's intentional. No. The intention is to bring him down and, and make the tackle. Yeah. Because if you don't bring him down and make the tackle, you're letting your teammates down, and the coach are going to get, is going to get into you. And that's the the basis of rugby league is that when you defend someone, you're going to try and make the tackle. You don't want to pass the ball or make a break or whatever. You know. So um, the intention is, yes, I'm going to stop him. But it's never intentional. I'm going to hurt him. Quarter past ten this Wednesday morning. Any questions for Mal Meninga? Agree or disagree? Or maybe just putting it to the Australian coach. Thirteen, thirteen, fifty-five. Mal, um, I've got two topics of conversation here: Jack Whiten and the Titans. Let's go to where you're based in Canberra. Your former Green Machine. They've lost Jack White and they've now lodged a complaint to the NRL over the contract and fair market value. Uh, it's opening up a can of worms. Is this just the Raiders throwing the toys out of the cot or is they, do they have a fair case here? I think it's, 
mean, I'm, I'm a raised It's a very man, leading obviously. question, yeah, I know. That's yeah, a very leading question. <laughs> um, you know, I would love to have seen Jack you know, finish his career with the Raiders, obviously. Oh. You know, so they've certainly looked after him over many years, you know, since he was a young fellow. I mean, he's been in uh, quite a bit of froth and bubble over those years, and they've certainly looked after him over that period of time to, to a stage where he's become a, you know, really good rugby league player, um, outstanding NRL player, and he's a rep player as well. So obviously they've nurtured him um, through that, that period where he's at a stage in his life now where he's at the back end of his career mm. and he's got to make some decisions about what he wants to do. And he's made the decision based on on he wants to win a premiership. So that's the first part. So for me, Jack obviously hasn't got any confidence in the Raiders making a premiership in the near future, which disappoints me, to be honest with you. Uh, but but, but it's, gonna, it's, fa- it's a fair call, isn't it, Mel? Um, uh, he, he, and I'm, well, try, I'm trying to look my, at it without in my opinion, the... In my opinion, he's, you've got to, he's a leader of the club. Yeah. So, you know, if he's, you know, he's playing for the club, he, he wouldn't want to, want to win the premiership this year, wouldn't he? Of course. And he's would. playing for the club um, in a specific, specific year. Anyone that's playing in the game at the moment, playing for their club, would want to get on a bit of a roll and want to try and win the premiership. That's why you play the game. You want to win a premiership every year. Um, you know, so from my perspective, he's got no faith in the club to win it, to win a premiership in the next three to four years. And he's obviously got plenty of faith in the Rabbitohs to do that. That's why he's mm. made the choice. There's no other reason. I mean, it's not even money related, is it? Because the Rays are offered him more money than what the Rabbitohs offer him. Then there's market value. So the Rabbitohs are saying, well, Jack Whiten's going to play centre for us. He's not going to play 5'8", uh, which is a, you know, probably a marquee. Uh, fee where the rate where the Rays are going to play Jack as a marquee player for and going to offer him one point one where you know, I'm not quite sure what the Rabbitohs uh, deal is but it's eight fifty to nine hundred you know so that's that's a high end centre value so the market value matches up to be honest with you mm. uh, but you know, my my thoughts being well he's got no faith in the Raiders that's 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 his decision he's going to to the Rabbitohs to to win a premiership that's the only thing that's probably missing from his career and you know some people will say well you know Fent, well, that's fair enough you know go there and and try to do that um where others are going to say well you know you should have been loyal but where's what, loyalty these days ben what does it say to his teammates right now exactly that's what i'm thinking that's what i'm saying and in a roundabout way i'm saying well he's got no faith in the club or his mates teammates to win a premiership what does that augur for the rest of the season then, Mal? I can't imagine that would be a fairly pleasant dressing room to be in. Um, but, the, but the players are, I mean, they're, the players are, fickle's not the word, but players are more liberal these days in their views around, you know, player movement and players going to different clubs and stuff. And they're humans. He'll, he'll, make a, he'll make a commitment to them this year to do his best, play his best, and they'll be satisfied with that, you know. Yeah, but um, if, you're, if your other half says, I love you and I'm committed to you for the rest of the year, but guess what? End of the year, we're, I'm, I'm out. Going, <laughs> yeah. I'm going, you beauty. I'll just take, I'll just take the, best, the best of what I've got. <laughs> not what I was expecting. <laughs> wow. Why not? <laughs> um, before I get either, you into It's either all in, Ben. It's either all in or all out. Yeah, yeah true. True. Yeah. Um, 
That's wrong me. Literally. Where am I going here? Uh, text from Murray. Text from Murray, <laughs> Mel. Here we go. Disappointing we to go. hear of Canberra's call to have Whiten's contract investigated. This is from Muzz. It highlights the bitter streak Ricky Stewart appears to harbour. <laughs> it should be the sentiment like around Latrell exiting from Easts. Good luck and thank you. So, I mean, loyalty. You touched on that before. Loyalty. Jack yeah. Whiten has shown loyalty to to the Raiders and to, to the point of where he's done everything in the game. There is nothing yeah. on his resume he hasn't done except win a premiership. That's exactly right. So can Canberra go, thank you, Jack, for your decade-long plus – What's it? Twelve, twelve seasons, decade. Uh, say twelve years. But why, why did Latrell go to go the to South for? Oh, I don't know. Probably more. It wasn't well, because to win a premiership. No, well, he was winning premierships at the Roosters. Yeah, exactly so, right. Yeah. So that's to play, that's the well, to play fullback, wasn't it? Yeah, Teddy was exactly there. Right. Yeah. Okay. Exactly right. Exactly right. So to play a particular position, but yeah, he didn't. And Wayne, Wayne, you know, he committed to that as well. Mm. So I mean, yeah, he fulfilled his promises. You know, so. Uh, could Jack's Canberra, case is a could bit Cam- different. Well, could Canberra say, Mate, Jack, you imagine Latrell saying, listen, I'm, not, I'm going to leave East. We've already won a couple because I'm going to go to South because I want to win a premiership. Yeah, no. It's, it's, a, di- it's a different example, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, that, that, that's fair. All right. But, well, let's, 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 before time beats us, um, the, 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 the Titans. Um, I, I want to put to you what I'm seeing this week from them. And obviously, after the, well, it was carnage at uh, the Cauldron against the Dolphins, they, they had the match won but then got reeled in. It was a record comeback from the Dolphins. Since then, we haven't really seen anything from the club. And and this is not media navel-gazing, but they've gone underground. No no cameras at training, media shut out. We will provide the media with in-house interviews. That's that's not opening up scrutiny. That's not allowing fans to get the real reasons and the real questions to be asked. I'm led to believe tomorrow we will get to talk to either a player or Justin Holbrook. Mal, what, what's what's going on with the Titans? Going underground, are they are they trying to hide stuff or is this them galvanising and getting behind the, the garrison, the fortress, whatever it may be, to regroup and attack again? You, you've got the inside galvanizing. word here. Yeah? Galvanising, Ben. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this happened again last year, you know, um, around same time of year, we remember uh, the Titans were way in front against the Broncos at Suncorp. Yeah, but shutting Stadium. out the outside, then, Mel. I mean, sunlight's the best disinfectant sometimes. I, I know, but yeah. that's from a media point, point of view. Um, and I'm trying not but from to a do club, that. From a club and, from, from club a and team point of, point of view. From a fan's it's, point it's, of view. You want answers? Well, exactly. I mean, let, let's get through all the nonsense at the, be- at, the, at the beginning of the week, you know, when we talk, when there's conversations happening, some honest conversations happening yeah. between the coach and, the, and the, the coach staff and the team themselves and the players, let's get through all that. And then we, then we, let's get past that. Let's look at how we're going to prepare this week. And then we can open our, ourselves back up again uh, after having these, these internal, you know, communication things that are, that, are, that needs to happen based on their performance the last couple of weeks, not just last week, the last two weeks, you know. So um, let's get have through you... all that. Let's galvanise, and then we'll go out, and then we'll we'll talk to the media about, you know, our little, our little journey, our little growth period that's taken us, you know, three days to get through. Have you been part of the process, Mel? And if so, what are you saying? Um, I have not been part of the process. Um, however, I've been talking to the coach about, about you know, moving forward and – what what needs what in my opinion what you know what sort of conversations need to take place so um, I'm not privy to those conversations that you know the coach listens to me and then 
obviously makes his own assumptions around how they're going to move, how the team's going to move forward. But I would suggest to you that it's been very honest. Mm. Uh, I would also suggest to you the players are going to be very honest. Um, they're really disappointed. It's it's been a really disappointing environment um, around the attitude of you know how they played in the second half last week. What advice did you give him? Not the first half. The first half that was, was the first half. Yeah, yeah. that was the first jersey. half against the Broncos. Yeah. You know, so yeah. you know what I mean. So yeah, they just got to to solve this little issue they've they had they have in the last couple of weeks, and then we can once we've done that, once we've got our heads around it all, well, then we can start communicating that to our fans in particular. I love the honesty and the passion, Mel. Love it. <laughs> love it. Love it. 13-13. You're going to get sincerity all the time. Don't worry. 13-13-55-0467-736-736 if you'd like to be involved. Um, Mel, I am... <laughs> I'm now worried for you at, at home, but um, what have I'm, I done? I, I don't know. You tell me <laughs> about the yeah, I'm out of here. Yeah. Well, she. Well, that was that's really good because I know that uh, my wife's listening. Yeah. See? Good. So she's listening to it, and then so it's just these sort of little messages you put a, put about in cyberspace, basically, don't you? You know, and then this little this if you want to go, that's okay. Just give you a few more months and. And we'll work on it at the back end of the year. Not a problem. Outstanding stuff, Mal. Thank you. Well, right. I feel like I feel like this is this is therapy. You said more than anything. <laughs> oh, but I'm not, happy. Not, don't worry about oh, it. I, I don't know, need not, any therapy. Not for you. For everyone else listening as well. It's almost like a, a it's a well-being workshop <laughs> on a Wednesday morning. Well, it's, it's life. It's just you know, if it's going to be, it's going to be. You yeah, know? that's that's fair. All you all you can control is yourself. You know. So if you're happy with that, well, mm. okay. What do you got on the throwdown tomorrow? Uh, probably the same. <laughs> probably, probably uh, some repercussions of our conversation today. I would imagine. Good stuff, mate. It could be. It could be a therapy session for all our all our listeners. Mate, it's been an absolute pleasure. We'll do it. We'll do it again next week. Mal, well, my pleasure, Ben. Mal Meninga. All thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Something my next guest has at the forefront of his mind: the grassroots of rugby in Queensland, but also the elite level of rugby in Queensland. Because right now, a search is on for the next Queensland Reds coach. And that decision will filter down into the grassroots level. Brad Thorne, what he's done for Queensland Rugby and the Reds over the last six seasons cannot be understated. He, in my opinion, has made rugby relevant again when the Wallabies haven't been performing. And we know that the correlation between the Wallabies going great guns correlates into rugby at the elite level being participated in, being watched and being attended. So the next decision is going to be huge by Queensland Rugby. And a man who's leading that search is on the line with me now. He's the CEO of Queensland Rugby, David Hannum. Dave, good morning to you. Morning, Benny. How are you going, mate? Good. Thank you for your time because I'm tipping you're busy after Brad's uh, decision to call it quits at the end of this season. Yeah, no, look, it's been, um, it was a big decision for Brad, as as you've sort of outlined there, and I 100% agree. I mean, Brad's impact in the last, he's been with the organisation for eight years and six years as head coach. Uh, I'd say the two things that Brad's done is, you know, he came into an environment six years ago where we had a bunch of cultural issues uh, within the team, behavioural problems, uh, the organisation was under a bit of financial distress, and you know, he was able to come in and really have a positive impact around, you know, setting a standard of professionalism. And we know Brad Thorne, the player, has been an absolutely outstanding 
contact sport athlete in both rugby union and rugby league globally and he was able to just to lift the standards and get the attitudes right and you know there's a really strong foundation and the second thing I believe Brad's done is he's backed an enormous amount of young talent the ones that you see in the team now and a lot of them are representing their country uh, for the Wallabies is he's been able to give um, them a sense of belief and show them what it's like to to be a professional athlete and I think that's that's a real positive so it's been busy in the sense that I think now that people are seeing, uh, coaches globally are seeing that there's a really strong foundation here in Queensland in the sense of the playing list. Uh, we're about to go into a brand new um, centre of excellence here at Ballymore, the National Rugby Training Centre. QAU's got itself out of financial distress and you know paid off its debt that it had um, six years ago. So you know we're in a strong position, and I think that gives us a really good chance to take a breath and, and look at you know who do we who do we bring in post Brad Thorne to you know, really continue to elevate the club to be, uh, you know, a performing team. And as you say, the, the better the performance with the Reds, the impact that has in supporting the development of the game across Queensland. Dave, you, you touched on it, and um, I think it's the leading to my next question. You, you said coaches around the, the globe are looking at the strength and where Queensland rugby is. So is that where your search is? It is a global search? Oh look, we're looking. We've got we've got people um, locally. We've got people across the Rugby World Cup that coaches that are sort of looking at what they do beyond the World Cup. So naturally, we're a game that goes across all different countries. So you look at you look at those opportunities, and, and people have sort of started to express some interest to want to dig a little deeper to see what's going on here and and, and how they could actually make a, a positive impact. So. We're, yeah, we're working across all those areas, Benny, as you know, to try and find the best quality of coach that Queensland can get. And, you know, we know that if we get that right, you've seen what Brad's done. We've seen what you and Mackenzie did um, back in 2011 mm. uh, with winning the Super Rugby competition. Uh, it's, it, can, it can make a big difference. And that, that, bring, that brings the crowds back. It, it inspires the next generation of players to get involved. What are you looking for? And I know Brad was an agent of change. It's a buzzword in business right now, or a buzz mm. phrase, and, and he did that. I mean, he came in and swept the he, – he, he put the broom through the place and some big names got collected along the way, but he stood fast and stood strong. He, he's done that. What are you looking for now in the coach? I think the profile of the coach we're looking for um, has, you know, from my perspective, has got to be a coach that is – demonstrated success you know how do you take a team that might be sitting mid-table to, to make them a premiership team um, you know so that they've had that experience as a head coach delivering that um, at various levels of their coaching career uh, professional coaching is obviously yeah, coaching in a professional competition is, is difficult so we want to, I want to be able to see that that coach has been able to sustain success at that level I think that's really important that we understand that before they come into our environment that they actually have, have had proven success. We've got a very good group of players and Brad's done an amazing job as we've um, spoken about. The key is how do we keep nurturing that talent? You know, how do we keep growing their skill set mm. and ideally getting more pl- getting more of our players performing for the Reds? But, but ultimately, if the Reds are successful, how do we get more of them representing their country and, and playing in World Cups, playing for the Wallabies, etc.? So I think that's, that's really important for us. And, and look, we are a strong rugby state, so they're going to have to play a role in really inspiring people to want to you know, be part of the game. And, you know, for, for whatever opinion people have of Eddie Jones, I would say that, you know, there was a period of time where people were talking probably pretty negatively about the Wallabies and that was based on close losses and performances. But I can tell you, 
the the engagement that Eddie's got in his time of his appointment and the excitement mm. that people have into a World Cup this year it makes a difference. So, you know, someone that can actually take on a bigger role than just, just the day-in-day-out day, day day coaching is they've actually got to inspire people to jump on and be part of the, the red success. Well, Dave, we wish you uh, well on, on your search. It, not exactly a unicorn, but they are rare to find. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> you've, uh, you, you've, you've got a while yet until you need to lock someone down and, of course, World Cup comes into it. So, mate, thank you for, for stepping us through it uh, and uh, and how the process uh, is going and what you're looking for. And good luck uh, against the force this weekend as well. That's the, probably the first thing uh, at, the, uh, first of, uh, at the front of Brad Thorne's and Queensland Rugby's mind right now. Dave, thank you for your time, mate. Dave Hannum, the CEO of Queensland Rugby. He was the first man to be stead off in State of Origin, but let's talk about the good stuff. Let's talk about how he wrote a letter to Arthur Beetson to say, hey, give me a shot in first grade. And that's exactly what happened. He also played for the Cronulla Sharks. He played for Penrith as well. He played for Australia during the Super League era, playing for Queensland. I am talking about the boy from Wynnum, Knuckles, Craig Greenhill. Good morning, mate. Where are you now? Oh, uh, Wynnum, mate. Back in Wynnum. <laughs> you can take the boy out of Wynnum, but you can't take Wynnum out of the boy. I love it. Um, what are you doing for a crust these days, Knuckles, can I ask? I have a, have a concreting business with my brother, so he calls me the ugly secretary in Australia, but, <laughs> but um, it's all right. We're going good. We're going good in the concreting business. What's it called, just for those listening at home? Um, National Concrete Systems. National Concrete Systems. There we go. Um, if I need my driveway done, are you the bloke to call, or is it a bit bigger than that? Oh, we're a bit bigger than that. We do, <laughs> we do civil, mainly civil. Okay. Mind you, I've seen your house. It's a pretty big driveway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good on you, Knuckles. Good one. Mate, the, the, one of the reasons why I want to talk to you, you catch up on where are you now, but but also there, there's a pretty significant uh, game happening tomorrow night down in Cronulla, uh, your old stomping ground as far as footy's concerned. The, the Sharks are playing the Cowboys and they're playing for the first ever Paul Green medal. We know how close you were to Greeny. You, you what? You played under under eights together down at Wyndham, didn't you? Yeah, we played under eights. We went to school together. Um, I went down to Cronulla to Barney Beach, and he turned up twelve months later with uh, Johnny Lang. So for another mate of mine, I grew up with Adam Mar. So yeah, it was a bit of a reunion, and we have a long history. You know, I mean, we played Origin together. Yeah, play Australia together. <coughs> yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's it's, uh, it's it's strange how our careers intertwined, and we we both had a great time with each other playing footy, mm. and uh, off the field and on the field. Mate, it was August last year that we that we lost him. Geez, that that time's flown, hasn't it? Or it must seem like a maybe it seems like a hundred years to you. Ah, oh, it's. It, uh, it, it's uh, I don't know. It's if it's a funny one. You still think he's still here, but then at times you mm. remember he's gone. So um, no, you miss him certain a lot, a lot, definitely. How are Amanda and the kids going, mate? I know you're checking on them regularly, and you're obviously close families. Yeah, Amanda's going good, and the kids are going all right. Yeah, the best as they can in a situation like this. Um, yeah, she, they're strong. She's a strong woman, mm. Amanda, and yeah. She, yeah, she'll have her moments, but it's like we all do. 
But it's a it's it's a big game tomorrow and a great honour for for Paul, isn't it? Having a medal struck in his name for the player of the match between the Cowboys and the Sharks. Oh, it, it, yeah, it's it's good. Yeah, he he, uh, he had a, a big part playing at uh, Cronulla in the nineties under Johnny Lang, and then he you know, he went to the Cowboys and he forged a good career up there on and off the field and. Yeah, as a coach, he, he got their inaugural grand final for him, and he has a strong connection to both clubs. So it's it's nice how both clubs have got came together to put this this, this together for going forward to keep uh, his memory going. Mm. I remember '97, um, the Super League grand final, the, the Broncos and Cronulla up here at uh, at well, it was a QSAC, wasn't it? Or QE2 Stadium, a- ANZ Stadium. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yes. Yeah. You don't like talking about that, do you? Oh no, it's it's all right. They, you know, we got beat um, Bronx, but they by, by far Bronx are the best team in the comp. In both comps, most probably if you compare them. Mm. Um, I don't know how their salary cap was going, but <laughs> it was a it was a very strong team, and yeah, and they they had the form on the board, and I think it showed in the following year when they went and won the premiership again. And they run me the two the two competitions reunited. They went out and they won again. So they're very dominant back then, the Bronx, and you know, I'm seeing a bit of a reemergence of that football now. What are your favourite memories playing with with Paul? Great. Oh, oh he's always uh, he was always, he'd always get behind in the second line of defence on a tap, and um, regardless who was doing that night. The hit up, he'd absolutely sledge on. He was good at good laying down a sledge, and uh, you always look around and say, "You little bugger, get up the front line! Don't get behind Davo and me and start sledging." You know, he's very good. He's very cheeky, but uh, he's very talented. Like yeah, you know, he always wanted the ball in his hand in big moments. So which, which you want in the half back? Yeah, you know, he's a very good kicking game. Yeah, you know, he had a very good running game too. Mm. Yeah, I think it was a game there in the semi-finals one year against West. He he pulled us out of the shit with two tries. So halfbacks you know, are good you like that. Yeah, you want your halfback to have big moments, and he used to have those big moments. But where do your allegiances lie these days? I mean, I know you spent time at Penrith as well, but um, is it still Sharks for you, or did they switch to the the Cowboys when when Greeny was up there leading them around as far, from the coach's box? Well. We have uh, the Pro-Am at Wyndham, as you know, under the Bartons and BMD Pro-Am. And they started auctioning off, because BMD is a sponsor of the Cowboys, they started auctioning off a, a box. And uh, BT at Bartons mm. used to talk me into buying it, and we'd take 10 of us up there. And So we used to go up to the Cowboys and watch them play every year, and we followed them through the semi. So, you know, we have a bit of a soft spot for the Cowboys because of Paul's association with them, and you know, I've been following them. Or Paul was coaching them, but also, yeah, like, yeah, I've got very good friends in Cronulla. You know, I mean, like this weekend we're catching up, we're going down to the game, we're catching up with a lot of our friends over the weekend. And um, but uh, Penrith, I have, like, I, I like Penrith. Penrith was a, you know, is, as a club, should be the role model for all other clubs in the competition, what they do off the field. Wow. Yeah, you know I mean, their junior development, yeah, and also just also. They've got a program called Panthers on the Proud that Lucy Hanovic helped put in place for 
not just rugby league, but also mentoring kids, troubled kids, troubled teenagers, and all that. With mentoring from businessmen, and and yeah, you know, it's a real giving back to the community in Penrith, and uh, they've got quite some good programs there, Penrith. Panthers on the prowl. I'm going to keep an eye and an ear out for that one, Greeny. Hey, mate, time's beaten us. Let's have a chat again, I think, down the track, because I know you're big on definitely with the with the community and and the next generation coming through as well. So let's revisit this, mate, yeah. and uh, all, all the best watching on tomorrow uh, with the Paul Green medal between the Sharks and the Cowboys. Where, 